Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. Welcome back in. Listen to Nuanez now. Coulter Nuanez broadcasting to you from the ESPN studios at Missoula Broadcasting County. Riley Corcoran in studio with me. He's the voice of the Grizz, and he's also my co-host every Monday and Tuesday right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? You can find it on the Nuanez Now podcast. All you got to do is go to your friendly podcasting platforms or go to our station website, 1029 ESPN.com. Click on podcast. We archive the show two one-hour increments each and every day. And the proud presenters of that podcast are the Blackfoot Communications as well as the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. In the first hour, it was the Montana Basketball Hour. We talked all things Grizz Hoops, Big Sky Conference men's basketball action, Bobcat Hoops, and some all-conference teams as well. And we're going to continue to do that before we get into some Big Sky football. So, Riley, we sort of both agreed that Tanner Groves from Eastern Washington, Kim Aiken from Eastern Washington, and Isaiah Brown from Weber State are the three sort of shoe-in now, not shoe-in, but the, the, the almost certain first-team all-conference picks. Then the rest of the league, the rest of the all-conference teams, and by the way, the, the Big Sky does an MVP within five first-team all-conference players and then five second, five third-team all-conference players. One point I think is worth making 
on the women's side, for example, I don't need to look up Darian White's stats from Montana State to know that she's a first-team All-League player. I know that she has actually struggled to shoot the ball in league play. Her scoring average has dipped way down compared to what it was in the non-conference. But all of that's inconsequential. If you watch the games, you just know that she's one of the best players on the court at all times. She dictates the tempo on both sides of the court. I think that in the men's league this year, that's the thing that's missing probably more than any other thing. There is not that steely, true leader point guard. We've had them forever. I mean, the Ahmad Rory's of the world. Like, you didn't need to know what Ahmad Rory averaged for points or assists or anything. You just knew this guy plays 37 minutes a game. He is the leader of the Montana Grizzlies. Harold Frey as well. I mean, Harold Frey had some explosive scoring numbers, especially towards the end of his career. But you didn't need to look at his stats to know that guy's a first-team all-league player, period. In this league... Weaver State runs such a wide-open motion offense, I don't even know who their point guard is. They have multiple guys that play on the ball. Southern Utah, John Knight, Tavion Jones, and um, Dre Marine can all play on the ball. At you know, On down the line, Cam Shelton is a quote-unquote point guard, but he's a scoring guard. He's one of the leading scorers in the country at Northern Arizona. So, you know, to me, actually, the only team that really had a defined point guard that I've seen in person this year is Northern Colorado with Dalen Koontz. And I thought when I saw him in Missoula, I thought he had a real chance to be an impact player in the league. And he's been fine, but he has not been nearly what I thought his talent level would indicate, a former Colorado transfer at Northern Colorado. Um, but I think that that's then why we see sort of this muddled group. Um, I think the other thing that's interesting is that a lot of the guys in this second group, whether it's Tavion Jones from Southern Utah, or I'll let you say, what's Jawara's first whole first name? Sisoho Jawara. Yeah, Soho, Sisoho Jawara. There you go. From Weber State. You know, um, Xavier Bishop. A lot of these guys are new to the league, too. So we have a very small sample size to, to really even evaluate them by. You know, I mean, like Xavier Bishop, I've seen him play 18 games ever. A lot of times... You build your all-conference resume as your career goes on. I've, I watched Kim Aiken play 50 games at this point, right? At least, probably more. And so I think that, that the, those factors play into it as well. But who else do you think should be in the mix for first-team all-conference in the big sky? Well, it comes down to a question that I think we have every single year, right? Do you reward someone that is putting up big-time numbers on a non-impactful team? And I think there's two guys that come to the forefront with this when you look at a Cam Shelton from Northern Arizona and an Ethan Esposito from Sacramento State because those two teams are going to be ninth and 10th in the Big Sky Conference standings out of 11, yet they're both putting up big-time numbers on the year. Are they first-team performers? That's probably the biggest question as far as drama when it comes to this all-conference team that I'm curious about. I think that the numbers do speak for themselves. I'm really, if it came down to a close tie, Coulter, I would rather take the number two player on the best team in the league or the second best team in the league compared to someone that's putting up a lot of points on a 10th place team. But because of all the reasons that we've talked about in the last half hour or so, I would put Cam Shelton on the first team. He's averaging over 20 points per game. He's top 20 in the country. He leads the league assist, too. It, you, that's big. And that's kind of the X factor in all of this. And, then, and, and you have to factor in, too, that they're, they have a, like an interim coach who's now, I guess, in his first year as a real coach. They remade the whole roster. They're really young. And I guess... It's not just Cam Shelton's fault that NAU has struggled. They're, they're in the middle of a rebuild. I think he deserves credit for not leaving. Yeah, and I also yeah. look a lot of times, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I also look a lot of times at percentages and stuff too. And he's not shooting the lights out, but he's doing okay. A lot of times too, when you get these big numbers, 
you know, if a guy is putting up 20 a game and he's shooting in the 30s, that's a concern. Cam Shelton is shooting 43%, and he's been better in league play, too. So it's not as if he's just forcing and stacking the deck. I just think Cam Shelton's one of the best guards in the league, and I think you have to acknowledge that with a first-team all-league nod. He passes the eye test, and I, I may be looking at it from a different lens of, okay, he's the best player on a 10th-place team. Well, plug him into one of the top three teams, right. and then all of a sudden it's different. So, yes, I'd put Cam Shelton. I also would put Ethan Esposito in there. He is, to me, he's top five in the league and scoring but and you rebound. saw what the eye test is yes. besides for his, his numbers wouldn't you say he's just he's one of the better guy, just players in the league absolutely yeah. he's a pure post and, and I posed that question and I might get crushed for this one, but I would take an Ethan Esposito over a Jabril Bello. I would. I think Esposito yeah. is a just more of a because he, he wins with his motor, absolutely not, not his athleticism, and he's physically tough. And I, I'm already looking way ahead. Eastern Washington, they face Sac State in that 9 in the morning game early with uh, Sac State team Ethan Esposito. That could create interesting matchups. I would put Esposito on there. And then the final slot for the final first team, you got to throw someone on Southern Utah on this first team. The for question sure. is who? If you went by points, it'd be Tevian Jones. You could make the case for a Mason Fawcett, who has been a four-year contributor, or a Dre Marine, or even John Knight. I mean, when I was down in Cedar City, this was the second and third games of the year, I thought John Knight was their best player. Well, now, I think the numbers would maybe point towards Tevian Jones, but my goodness, Coulter, on a six-person first team, you got to put someone on Southern Utah there, right? Tevian Jones has completely changed what Southern Utah does. They have not been that prolific of a three-point shooting team for the last handful of years. They've always been so good at scoring in the mid-range and in the paint and getting to the rim, especially their guards. The thing that has changed is Fawcett's ability to run the pick and pop and Jones's ability to just straight knock down shots. He's hit 53s. He's shooting 35% from three. Fawcett's also shooting 41% from three. So that's been huge additions. I almost lean toward John Knight more than anybody, though, only because I know Knight's not averaging as many points as either of those other two guys, but he has the ball in his hands more than anybody else on the team. The spread stuff that they run now is so predicated on John Knight's ability to drive and kick. And, oh, by the way, he's averaging four and a half assists a game, which is one of the better marks in the league. And I also think he's a better defender than everybody else on that squad as well. It, it This is the thing that a lot of times good teams go through. They have great balance, and so then that robs votes when it comes to the all-conference stuff. And Mason Fawcett, he's the guy no one's talking about, right? He's a four-year contributor for sure. Southern Utah, great player. By Ken Palm and everyone that's into analytics, he's the 12th most efficient player in the entire country. To me, that stands out. He's kind of a glue guy for Southern Utah, and those are the guys that don't get recognized in these all-conference polls. So it's interesting to see where someone like Fawcett falls in the mix. The question is, we've thrown a lot of names and a lot of different team representation. Guess what two teams we haven't talked about? Montana, Montana State. Could it be possible that there is no Grizz, no Bobcats on the first or the second team when the all-conference awards get announced? Man, well, I think that because if and when Eastern wins the league, I think they're going to get two on the first team, and I don't think they're going to get anybody on the second and third because of Jacob Jacob, Jacob Davidson's uh, sort of non-contribution down the stretch here. I think that Weber State has been really balanced, but I think that to, to me, if they get Isaiah Brown on the first team, I think they got to get somebody else on the second team. We were talking about just eye test. I think Soholo Jawara is the best guy that I've seen besides Brown that said, it's a little bit of a bias because I watched him against Montana, Montana State, and he went like eight of ten from three. Over Player of the week weekends. after the cat games. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he literally didn't miss against Montana State. I think he went eight of nine from three against the Cats in two games, 
and he was just completely lights out. So maybe I have a little bit over elevated um, version of him. I do think that Dante Bassett or Bassett, excuse me, Dante Bassett, the Florida transfer, if he wouldn't have been hurt, had a real chance to be a first or second team All League guy. Because I think he's the one of the most talented bigs in the league. But then there's been some other guys that maybe just didn't quite. They, they weren't able to truly sustain. Um, I mean, again, it, it's a bias because I have hardly watched Idaho State, but Tarek Cool has put up great numbers at Idaho State. He's never played well against Montana. Awful, honestly. I mean, I he's mean, played terrible against Montana. Yeah. And then they had their series against Montana State canceled. So the only two games I watched him, he played his two worst games of the year. So I, I have a hard time with that. Bodie Hume, I think, as he, he just, he's not, he's, I, I, I'm not going to say he took a step back, but he didn't take the step forward that I think you wanted from him. You know, freshman of the year to then second team all conference guy. As a junior, I think you want him to be a first or second, no doubt. And he has not been that. So at Northern Colorado, that is. So to me, I mean, I think there's just a lot of these guys where you're voting on. They didn't fulfill our own expectations of them. So then where are we at with that? I mean, I, I don't know. I think that we might see these teams filled out with guys like Dre Marine who've been just solid. They, they, at Southern Utah, he's just been solid. So he might get that third team all league nod. I don't know, though, as far as the let's talk about the Cats for a second. Yep. I just have a hard time delineating who's who. The thing that the biggest problem for the Cats is also, ironically, one of the, what has been the biggest problem for the Grizz. They don't have a leader. Right. There's not this defined leader. And Bishop is really, I love him. He's a great kid. He's been on this show. He's super fun. I still think he's that take you, you know, pull you aside, take you out of his wing floor general type guy because he's such a scoring guard. He's not the direct, directing traffic and getting in and out of stuff. You know, Damu is. Such an electric player, hot but, and cold. but he's hot and cold. And Bello, it just seems like when he when he gets challenged, he either he either folds or he gets into foul trouble or both. And so they all have pretty good resumes. I mean, I think I think that however this last weekend goes, I do think there's an opportunity for one of the two guards to maybe sneak their way on the second team. I think that was. Well, who are you going to pick between Bishop and Adamo? Because Adamo's scoring more points, and and for lack of a better comparison or anything in between. A lot of people that vote on this just straight look at the stat sheet. And that's not calling anyone out or anything, but it's more than just the box score. To me, my vote would be for Bishop. But I think that more people would maybe gravitate towards Adamu because he's put up the flashy 36, 37 point games and he leads the team in scoring. But to me, if I'm voting one Bobcat on the all-conference team, it's Bishop. And for the Grizzlies... I would say it's Kyle Owens. Why? He has been the most consistent. He's fading here numbers-wise the last couple of weeks, but I think it's for the taking. Yeah, For Montana, that's Man. another... Let's finish the thought on Montana State. Who yeah. would you pick, before we go to Montana here, who would you pick to put on the all-conference team for the Cats? I think it's Adamu because he's been more... He's been less feast or famine than Bishop. And again, I love Bishop, but I think that Bishop... Uh, a bishop has less of a chance to win you a game outright, and more of a chance to hurt you. And I think that that I think that puts him just a notch down. I mean, it's supposed to be Bellow. That's who it's supposed to be. He was a, he was an all league guy last year. He was the newcomer of the year in the league last year, and his statistical production has been exactly the same, except for he's averaging two rebounds less per game than he was as a sophomore. So, um, I, I mean, I don't mean to to hammer on the guy because he is shooting fifty eight percent and averaging twelve and six. But uh, I just think when you look at him and his talent level, to me, I mean, here's the best way I could put it. To me, all these guys that we're talking about. 
I think that the guy that has arguably the biggest potential to be a pro is Bello. And he's and he's not playing like a pro right now. He's playing like a pretty good Big Sky Conference player, and, but he has the athleticism and build to be a pro. And I think maybe that's why it might be coming off that we're hammering him a little bit today. We're not. It's just more that his potential and his expectations is higher than everybody else's. That's the only reason why. I mean, no question. I mean, he's 6'9", 250, can run the floor, and he's really, really athletic. And when he gets aggressive, he's a monster. When he's on. He just he just doesn't use the he doesn't portray the aggression as much as as I think that Danny Sprinkle wishes that he could or should. This is let's talk about Montana for a second because this is actually very interesting. I can't believe I'm saying this right now, but to me, the player that has risen to the occasion to give Montana what they need when they need it more than anybody else on the team is Josh Bannon. I know he really struggled early because they were giving him an elevated scoring role. Once they took that away from him and started bringing him off the bench and he started letting the game come to him, he's been one of the best forwards in the league. I mean, he's putting up great numbers over the last five or six games. He's got to be averaging, what, 15, 16 points per game? 15 points, nine rebounds a game. There you go. And he's also guarding the other team's best player, even if that guy's a guard or that guy's a – I mean, I guess Weber, he was guarding Isaiah Brown at at certain times. I guess Eastern, he was going between guarding – Aiken and and Meadows and all these different players that are completely different types of guys. Like this last weekend, he was guarding multiple Idaho State guys. And so, I don't know. I think that I think Bannon's going to get freshman of the year for sure. I, I actually think it's like not close. Him and Dylan Jones from Weber be the only two to me. Yes, Josh Bannon should get that. Yeah, and I I think that he'll get freshman of the year. So then you wonder where he falls. On the other uh, list, I think I think Mason Fawcett's got to be there because Fawcett's been really good at scoring the ball and uh, and rebounding the ball at Southern Utah. That's sort of the he's like the X factor for Southern Utah. Dre Marine maybe, I mean Tarek Cool maybe, um, but I just don't know about. I think Montana is going to hurt themselves in the All Conference Awards just because they have had so many different guys that have been the guy at certain points during the season. Well, and it's crazy too because they have no players, Coulter. In the top 20 in the league in scoring. How wild is that that to say that no one from Montana is in the top 20 in scoring? So it it will be really interesting, these all-conference awards, because as you've heard from the last half hour of our discussion, there's nothing that's really defined, even from the MVP roll down. I mean, shoot, you could make the argument for two different guys on Eastern to be the MVP, and that's kind of a dichotomy of all of this, of a trickle-down effect. It's it's just fascinating. I, I think that obviously the Grizz and the Cats should get one player at least on a second team or third team, but there is a chance they get completely aced out, which would be, I mean, it'd be noteworthy. Listen to Nuanez now on 1029 ESPN Missoula, or you're watching on SWX Montana Television. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez. So let's go through the awards real quick before we talk some, some football. MVP, you got Groves? I got Groves. Here's the thing I think that needs to be adjusted with the the... Eastern Washington's run the same system since Jim Hayford was there. They still run the same system with Shante Leggins. Because of that system, the starting big guy on Eastern Washington is going to have the most prolific combination of points and rebounds in the league every single year. Does that mean that that guy is the absolute catalyst? I think in this case, it is. When Jake Wiley was the MVP, it was. But there's been times where there's been guys that were more important and or better players for Eastern Washington that didn't even win the MVP on their own team. Bogdan Blizniak's better than Mason Peeling. Tyler Harvey was as good. I can't remember who won the MVP that year because I don't think it was Van K. Joyce either. Um, I think it was somebody from a, a different team, not Eastern Washington or Montana. 
Um, I don't. I don't think it was burning that year either. Regardless, I just think that sometimes the production is going to be there, but is that guy the straw that stirs the drink? I don't know. I think it's a coin flip between Groves and Aikens, but I th- Groves and Kim Aiken in Eastern Washington. But I think those are the only two newcomer of the year. I think this is. Uh, it's a two horse race here. I think it's Tavion Jones or Isaiah Brown. I would agree. I mean, I there's it's not even close between those two. I, I think I would actually go towards Jones. To yeah, me, I yeah. think he's just been more impactful for changing Southern Utah. Cam Parker, a nice honorable mention, <laughs> leads the league in assists, but sure. that's a that's about it. I mean, I, I think that it's between Jones um, and Isaiah Brown. Just kind of a matter of how the all conference teams shake up. It's it's more of those, and you've seen it too. Okay, well, this guy didn't make first team, so we'll give him newcomer instead. Sure, it's going to sure. be something like that. Uh, I think that the top reserve is between two guys, and I think Cam Parker is one of those guys. That Cam Parker will certainly be in the mix for top reserve in the league. I think the other guy that will definitely be in the mix is Malik Porter at Idaho State. They brought him off the bench most of the year, and uh, he—I mean—he's been one of their better players. And I think that that athletic energy guy coming off the bench has been a catalyst for them all year long. It, it's puzzling to me to watch Malik Porter play because he is clearly the best athlete on the floor when Idaho right. State's there, and feels like they should get in the ball every single time, but yet. His role's been diminished. I'm, I don't want to speculate too much. It kind of feels like he's doghoused. He's sure. kind of in the doghouse. Sure. And his minutes have fluctuated. I would go Cam Parker. I will stand on that sword. Not sure. he, he is not the newcomer of the year. There's, there's guys that are performing sure. better. Top reserve, though, Parker is playing starter minutes. And that, that yeah. to me, is how you kind of, you know, put it into number form for what a reserve does. If your reserve is playing over 30 minutes a game in conference play and you lead the league in assists, I would give it to Parker. But yes, I, I think Porter is a very good substitute. You also could go to Eastern Washington and maybe this is why Shantae Leggins decided to change up his starting lineup. You could go with Robertson because Robertson comes off for the sure, bench Tyler in Robertson, the majority yeah. of the game. So to me, it would be more of a Parker Robertson honorable mention Porter for for that, but definitely we've got the top three locked down. I got nothing for defensive player of the year because the three best teams in the league don't play defense. I don't know. I was trying to find. I don't even know one person. Who would you even put? I, I have no clue, honestly, because <laughs> t- the only team in the league that's won any games with defense this year is Montana. That's it. And Idaho State. I mean, but I I don't know who you'd put. Yeah, There's I not one I, person I, that stands out. I really have no clue either, man. I I have no clue who you would put for that because. Like, Montana State had good defensive numbers early, but then they gave up 90 a game for four games in a row. Is there a rim protector out there that we're, we're missing that's good with block shots? I mean, I, I don't... That one was puzzling to me. I thought, it was like, well, Coulter will have someone for defensive. I don't have anyone that I mean, comes to mind. Like, Jacob Iman from Portland State is leading the league in block shots with 21, but he's only played in 12 conference games. He doesn't even start at Portland no. State. I mean, Malik Porter is averaging 1.3 blocks per game. I mean, I don't know. I, Portland State has the best defensive statistics because of the style that they play, but but that's, I mean, individual statistics. Because right. team statistics, they're not particularly great Sac State? defensively either. I mean, I, yeah, Sac State, but I don't even know who you turn to there. Fowler? I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, Northern Colorado, it was just, okay, it's Radabaugh. Radabaugh won it three of the last exactly. four years. Now, I that will be funny. I mean, next week in boys be like, oh, yeah, we should have said that guy for defensive well, player. Well, you got three teams that are averaging 82 points or more in league play. That's uh, <laughs> it's not very indicative of, of tough defense. Okay, we got to get out. We got to get back. We got Big Sky football on the other side. You're listening to Nuanez now on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as SWX Montana Television.
Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Saturday afternoon, I found myself sitting at my kitchen table watching a uh, brewing blizzard outside and writing a story about Montana men's basketball for SkylineSportsMT.com while also watching Northern Arizona play Southern Utah in an indoor football game in Flagstaff. And I just couldn't even believe that this was happening. It was an amazing thing to be watching a late-season basketball game and a first-game-of-the-season football game at the same time. You're listening to Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide SWX Montana Television. Riley Corcoran in studio with me. Coulter Nuanez. We're going to talk all things Big Sky football. Three games in the league this weekend. And you watched all of them. I watched all three of them, yep. So the dirty details are that Northern Arizona beat Southern Utah on the very last play of the game. It was a true walk-off win. Uh, Keandre Woodty, which is a name I'm going to have to get more familiar with, but he's an Oklahoma State transfer and quarterback uh, at Northern Arizona. He threw a touchdown as time expired, and Northern Arizona won 34-33. Then came the uh, the butt-whooping up in Pocatello, Weber State, uh, Bronson Barron looked great. Looked like the greatest quarterback Jay Hill's ever had. I don't want to do, be too hyperbolous over a one-game performance for the freshman, but uh, he looked way better than anybody Weaver's had, at least since Stephen Cantwell and probably in the Jay Hill era. And Weaver really just laid it on Idaho State. They are up 42-7 at the end of the third quarter, then kind of let off the gas and won 49-21. And then in the nightcap, Eastern Washington versus Idaho in Moscow, Eastern Competing without head coach Aaron Best. It was uh, a back and forth game. It looked like Eastern was going to avenge last season's loss in Moscow. They're up 14 0, had a pick six. Eric Berrier was cooking a little bit, and uh, they took a 21 14 lead early in the fourth quarter. Idaho answered with a good drive to tie the game. Eastern then answered with a great drive all the way inside the five yard line. Eastern kicks a field goal with uh, about 11 minutes to go, and the field goal was good. Oh it went gosh. through the upright, and the ref underneath the goalpost can be seen not standing in the right place and also adjusting his mask and not watching, and then he calls it no good. And Eastern, justifiably, is just beside themselves. They're so mad because this was clearly a made field goal. And later on, by the way, yesterday the Big Sky did put out a release acknowledging that the field goal was, in fact, good and that it was a blown call. But that doesn't matter. That would have put Eastern up 24-21. Instead, they get back into a stalemate. The game's tied. Idaho forces a punt. Gets the ball back. Mike Beaudry drives the ball the way down the field. 
hits Hayden Hatton from 25 yards out with 54 seconds to play, and Idaho beats Eastern for the second straight time. Wow. wow. I mean, I watched the highlight of the field goal. I couldn't even believe it. I mean, is that not a microcosm of, number one, a spring football season, and number two, the pandemic that we've been living through, is that the ref was out of position when the ball was snapped and adjusting his mask, so he was therefore not underneath the upright and didn't have any idea. What I can't believe is what is instant replay for? If it's not to correct something egregious like that, yes, okay. Should the ref been in a better spot? Absolutely. But what's replay for if you can't fix something as big as that? Because I don't need to tell everyone out there, obviously that changes the whole psychology of what Idaho is looking for in the final drive. With 54 seconds to go, some would say they were outside field goal range. It would have been a 40-yard-plus field goal, and therefore... Instead of just kind of nursing it down there, they went in, scored. It just changed everything. That was unfortunate. I hope that that daff doesn't really cost anyone big down the road. But you look at the remaining schedules. I'm sorry here, but this game, that Eastern Washington-Idaho game, that is potentially for the at-large bid in the Big Sky Conference. I mean, let's just cut the fat here. Weber State, this is Weber State's the league. They are going to run through their six games. In this regular season, they're going to be 6-0. and They're going to be a top four seed. The Big Sky's only leg that they're going to stand on here is how well Weber State can do in the playoffs. A team might get in in Eastern Washington and Idaho. It's unfortunate that, that whoever gets in is going to be decided maybe on that gaffe. As we've talked about the last couple weeks, too, there's going to be these turning points within this season when if you lose a couple early, when do you then just to turn this into a straight developmental season? When do you, you know, if you're Eastern Washington, for example, if you drop another one before the the midseason buy that it happens for everybody, if you're one and two or zero oh and three going into that buy, you're not going to play your fifth year senior All American quarterback and Eric Berry the second half of the season. You wouldn't think. If you do, I don't know. I mean, on one hand, maybe it could be uh, an additional development time for him, but on the other hand, it just seems like ticking time bomb of him getting hurt so we'll see i think that these the six game schedule and the fact that the big sky is only going to for sure get one and is going to really struggle to get two teams in the playoffs i think it's going to really impact the way that teams navigate the schedules and the rosters one of the biggest storylines around the big sky conference coming into both this spring season and the fall season is the fact that literally every team in the league with the exception of portland state with davis alexander and eastern washington with eric barrier has at least an opportunity to have a brand-new starter at quarterback. The Case Cookus era at Northern Arizona lasted longer than any other era I've ever seen. I mean, between gray shirts and red shirts and medicals and this and that and the other thing, the guy was at Northern Arizona. I mean, he won the FCS Freshman of the Year, the year we launched Skyline Sports. We've been doing this thing for like six years now. <laughs> We've been doing it for seven years, but he was there for six. And so, uh, you know, but then on down the line, you have um, – Jake Mayer moving on at UC Davis, so they're going to have a new quarterback. Kevin Thompson, graduate transfer from Sac State, so they're going to have a new quarterback. Uh, Southern Utah just needs one in general, and I thought Justin Miller from Southern Utah looked pretty good. Obviously, Jake Constantine entered the transfer portal at Weber State. Well, in in steps Bronson Barron and was great. Uh, That's an interesting one because he was a highly recruited guy out of Utah, and they went on a mission. So he's a couple years older, even though he's a freshman, and then he got this whole last fall – to really develop so he could be he's he's more like the age of a junior and 
at least has enough college experience to be considered like a redshirt freshman. So that could be definitely uh, impactful uh, at Weber State because Bronson Barron looks darn good. He was the Big Sky Player of the Week. The Mesa Petrino era is over at Idaho. Mike Beaudry, he really struggled in the first quarter through a pick six. But then once he got settled in, I thought he looked a lot better. And um, there's been a lot of things that have been holding Idaho back for being a truly competitive team in the Big Sky Conference. I think that talent is not one of them. I also think that coaching, particularly with their assistant coaches, is also not one of them. They've had good assistants. They have, I mean, I think Mike Bresky is a great defensive coordinator. They've had good to great talent defensively. They have just not, they have had uh, no discipline whatsoever. I mean, they're mo- the most penalized dirty team in the league and they've had such bad issues at quarterback well now it seems like those are maybe not the case I thought the Hayden Hatton kid was a revelation he was really good and Cottrell Hayward has been a guy that's been good in this league before so Mike Beaudry a guy who a pretty atypical path led West Florida to the Division II National Championship game as a freshman then went to UConn for a year and now is at Idaho crazy but he he looks the part of me. He's 6'5", 250. He can, he can, he's got a really strong arm. And I don't know. It would be interesting to see what sort of impact he could have. But to me, that was the main storyline. I thought pretty much all the quarterbacks that I saw looked pretty darn good, including and every single one of them was in their debut besides Barry. I think a lot of people have this question. I do, too, because I admit I, we were on a bus ride back. I didn't get to watch all three of these games. And a lot of people, maybe especially here in Montana, are – Curious how it goes, but also not as engaged because the Grizz and the Cats aren't going to be involved in it. My biggest question to you, Coulter, as someone that has watched this league for a ton of years, what was the quality of play like? Was it was it more of a preseason game in September? Was it more of a typical conference opener? Or was it lower than both of that because of this oddity of it being a spring season? It's an interesting question. Southern Utah has been so bad the last two years that the fact that they were better made me think that it was better football, but then also NAU might just not be very good. I don't really know. That one's the weirdest game of the two, the three. I don't sure. know what NAU wants their identity to be. Under Jerome Sowers, for 22 seasons, it was very laissez-faire player program. They're not necessarily trying to win with intensity. They're more just trying to out-athlete people. They typically had some of the best athletes, including skilled players, whether it was Zach Bauman or Emmanuel Butler or Case Cookus. And defensively, they always had some dudes as well. And defensively, Andy Thompson had those guys rolling for about 10 years straight, former Grizz linebacker who was the D.C. down there in flag for a while. Um, now I just don't – I can't pin on what they want their identity to be. I don't know if they want to be a, a tough, hard-nosed, we're going to run the te- ball type team. Chris Ball has a defensive background, but I still – I don't know what they want to be. And at Southern Utah – um, they they just have seen a severe downgrade in their talent since Ed Lamb left. They they won with talent the first uh, couple years they were in the league, and then they just haven't had that same level of talent. So I'm not really sure where I'm at with them. Idaho Idaho has talent, and I just think that the fact that they have a different guy that's not the coach's son running the offense is going to make the world a difference for them. Are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to finish Man. second in this month? Because you look at schedule. It's What's just, their schedule? Their schedule. Idaho, they play UC Davis at home next. California team coming to the – or I guess not the cold, but they got yeah, to – I yeah. mean, travel regardless. UC Davis' first game. Sure. So they get another home game. 
at NAU, Southern Utah, Idaho State. I think they will be five wow. and zero going wow. into their final game at Eastern because it's a home and home. So, so they play Eastern twice right. because of the schedule. Yep. Everybody that played this first week will also play the last week as well in this modified spring season to throw another wrench in it. But is Idaho the second best team in this modified eight team spring season? I'm having a hard time saying it's anybody else. I, I thought that Beaudry looked above average to good in terms of talent levels. Only one game sample size, but he's he's good. He has a chance to be a good quarterback in the Big Sky. He could be a great quarterback in the Big Sky, especially if he gets into rhythm. They have good skill guys. I mean, Haywood and Hatton are, bo- are really good receivers. They always, they've been good on the lines since they got into the league, and they have Trey Walker and Christian Ellis at linebacker. So I, I don't know. I, th- I do think that Idaho could be... Pretty darn good. Um, as far as the rest of just the quality of play, uh, Weber has had a lot of offensive skill talent the last couple of years. I think that Jake Constantine has been holding them back. I think that's why Jay Hill was so blunt when Jake Constantine left and said, hey, we wish the kid well, but we're all good. I mean, they were trying to bring in guys to beat him out anyways coming into his senior year. I think that's half the reason Jake Constantine left Weber State. So... The fact they have one of the, the most talented running backs in the league in Josh Davis, they're always going to be good up front, and the fact that they have uh, game-breaking skill position players, particularly Rashid Shahid, they haven't been able to get him the ball in the perimeter that much because Constantine couldn't throw the deep ball. Well, this kid, this new kid they got can. I mean, the, the, the kid looks great, man. He's like 6'5". He can really spin it. To me... He, Again, as a one-game sample size, you're going against a below-average at best defense at Idaho State. But he looked like everything that all I thought they ever needed was a guy who could just run RPO and chuck the ball up the sideline to Rasheed. And they haven't had that guy. And that, now they do. I mean, Rasheed caught two touchdowns. He Barron threw multiple long t- scores in the game, and he threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns in his college debut. I don't know. I was just really impressed with it. Well, Weber State, we said it on this show, I think about a month ago, that the their weakest position the last couple of years has been a quarterback. And if they found their guy, watch out for the rest of the league. And that's where you talk about the positives. We, myself, probably more so than you, have been talking or highlighting the negatives of this spring season a lot. Well, a positive can be someone like a Baron because that's a game changer for a program, someone at Weber State that is just one piece away from being a national title national title contender year in and year out. So that one was a big one to me. I don't want to overreact too much because they played Idaho State, but then also in the same breath, sort of, well, is Weber State going to get challenged at all? I mean, they play Idaho State twice, they play Southern Utah, Northern Arizona. Are they going to get challenged at all in this six-game season before they play in the playoffs? So uh, that's interesting, but it's a game-changer for me with Weber State. To me, it's just Weber and kind of everyone else is playing for more of that developmental that we've been talking about. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. NDSU lost. That's big I was going to say, I got so many texts about that from just people that don't follow. Whoa, you see NDSU lost, NDSU lost. That, to me, seemed like it made national news this FCS spring for the first time. 39-game winning streak, the third longest in the history of Division One football, the longest in the history of FCS football, comes to a crashing end, a 38-14 victory for Southern Illinois. NDSU has... Uh, they have issues, and that's not something we've said for a 10-year span. That's crazy. They have had quite literally no discernible weakness for a decade, and now they do. The quarterback 
is not as good as they want him to be or need him to be. I think that's why they brought in a Virginia Tech transfer. He's just not eligible until the fall, so they're going to have to wait and see. My question for you, you mentioned Weber State. Weber State is now number two in the country this week's poll. It's the highest they've ever been ranked. If they take care of business, which we expect them to do, they have the inside track on having home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs. If Weber State makes it farther than they've ever gotten, which last year their Final Four bid was their first bid in the FCS semifinals in program history, if they get at least that far or farther, which it looks like it's setting up for them to do, how much could that then impact their overall selling point to recruits? Because I think that the one thing that's been missing is the true you know, marquee comp- competition on the national scale. They've been winning in the big sky, but now they have an opportunity to truly send shockwaves across the rest of the country. Are you ready for an unpopular answer? I don't think it affects it that much at all. Yeah, I really don't. I think that they've already established who they are, yep. and we talk about the legitimacy of the spring, and, and again, we can, we'll can we bring that up the next couple of months, but them going, if they win it all, then maybe, but as far as just advancing further and sure. having home field, I just don't think it will. They recruit a special type of player, right? They do. They they do. do. And well, and you can't really get better recruits than the Utah Gatorade player of the year like they did with Josh Davis. I and, mean, the, right. kid, the kid was going to Utah until he blew out his knee. Like, he's a Pac-12 guy. Yes, I, I think it just solidifies even more so that, yeah, that they are a, a national title contender, but as far as recruiting, I don't think I'll we'll see that trickle-down effect. I don't. I mean... You disagree a little bit? I think that they well, have their no, system. I think, I they think got their guys. I think your point's well taken, actually, because I think that Weber State's recruited as good as anybody in the country. That's why they've been the top four in the last three years. I mean, Jay Hill's a great recruiter. Yes. Jay Hill understands the magic. He understands the how impactful recruiting guys that are the absolute best in the country at the non-sexy positions can get what that can get for Special you. Special teams. Getting the best kicker and best punter in the country, the best kick returner, the best nose guard. That's where we, Weber has not had, you know, the flashy quarterbacks or the, you know, game-breaking wide receivers. They've had the the McKay Murphys of the world who are wrecking shop on the inside of the line. They've had the Sua Opetas of the world, you know, the the three or four-time all-conference offensive linemen that can play multiple positions. And so I think that's why maybe they're their national reputation is a little bit diminished because it's not sexy. But I, I actually agree with you. I, I, I don't really know. Here's the thing. They might have already found that their, their one issue was how they're going to get a quarterback, and now they have one. So they might have already solved their biggest issue before their success or lack thereof can impact this season. I, and I wonder what the folks in Bozeman and the folks here in Missoula are doing watching Weber State and, and how much the impact has on it. Back to the recruiting piece, this is a final note on it. That's why I don't think it'll change too much because, again, it's more, okay, you won the league, but there was no Montana State or Montana in there as well. So it be interesting to see. But Weber State, they're a well-oiled machine. This isn't to knock them down in any form or fashion. I just don't think they're going to have anyone that's going to compete with them until they maybe even reach Coulter at the quarterfinals. I really don't think so. I, I totally believe it. I totally believe it. Nuana is now. 1029 ESPN Missoula as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. We're going to talk a little bit more about Big Sky Spring Football, specifically something that's happened with our neighbors, North Dakota. This is uh, something we've literally never seen before. We'll tell you more about it on the other side. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. 
And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home. Happy Monday. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Hopefully you're off work, or even if you're going to work or in the middle of work, hope you're having a great day. You're listening to Nuanez Now, one-stop shop for all things sports across the state of Montana each and every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 102.9 ESPN in Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Missed anything in the show today? Talked a ton of Big Sky Conference hoops. The Grizz got their first sweep of the season. The Bobcats got a split that they had to have after handing Idaho their first win of the year on Friday night. We talked all conference teams. We talked tournament scenarios. And we also talked some Big Sky Conference football here in the second hour. We're talking a little bit more on the FCS level and then also have an interesting scenario to share with you as well, Ryan Riley. So one Riley Corker, by the way, in studio with me. We have to mention this. The North Dakota State lost over the weekend. North Dakota won in one of its best wins since moving up to Division I in 2008, and definitely its best win since leaving the Big Sky a couple years ago. They beat South Dakota State. So now North Dakota is sitting here number four in the country ahead of NDSU. So for those who don't know the drama, North Dakota and North Dakota State were fierce, fierce, fierce rivals in the North Central Conference for years and years and years and years. North Dakota State always had the football tradition. North Dakota always had the hockey tradition. That gave North Dakota big-time bragging rights because hockey is the biggest thing in the world in North Dakota. Then when North Dakota State moved up, they moved. They basically left UND in the dust. They move up. They join, uh, I guess, at first the Great West, but then when North Dakota joins the Great West, North Dakota State helps spearhead the Missouri Valley Football Conference. They ensure that their in-state rival does not get an invite, and they don't play them in anything for, I think, 10, maybe even more than that, years. In that 10 years, North Dakota then leaves the Great West and joins the Big Sky. They're sort of this redheaded stepchild that can't find their way to have any continuity with anybody. They're pinned as rivals with Montana State, but there's just no symbols or continuity there. And meanwhile, North Dakota State's just stacking up national championships like it's their job. Well, now, finally, North Dakota out of the Big Sky into the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And so this is a landmark moment for UND because they have been certainly uh, treated like and in a lot of ways encompassed being the little brother to North Dakota State forever. And now they're not. It's been funny because I still follow a bunch of North Dakota people on Twitter because of all our Big Sky Conference ties. The... The singing to the heavens that North Dakota fans have been doing the last several days has been quite entertaining, to say the least. Oh, I mean, this is monumental for the Fighting Hawks. And to beat South Dakota State, I guess we should backtrack and say the reason why they are vaulted to the top is they beat Southern Illinois 44-21, to who then in turn went and beat North Dakota State and trounced them pretty good. And then the Fighting Hawks beat South Dakota State. I mean... There's a couple of different angles from this. Number one, the fact that North Dakota State lost in the fashion that they did proves that they've got some problems. Number two, North Dakota is a great example for what this spring season is going to be. 
overreaction. I mean, straight in the sense of, okay, they play two games. Are they legitimately a top four program in the country yet? Probably not. But for right now, they deserve it, and they should be. So we are talking about them. As far as a monumental shift, we're going to find out March 20th because the Fighting Hawks go to Fargo. And I'll tell you what, Coulter, that might be the first time that that's must-see TV for me, that I want to watch that game when the Fighting Hawks that could be ranked higher than the Bison. I think that another question that stems from this is this one. If North Dakota State loses one more time, are they out? Yes. And a playoff field without North Dakota State, I mean, it's very possible. I mean, they play six more games in the tough Missouri Valley Conference, and they now need to run the table to make the playoffs. Imagine if we see a four and four season from NDSU. Possible, especially after they went one hundred and forty and eight over the last nine years. It's, it's just uh, absurd the run that they've been on. And it will will it carry any momentum to the fall if for some reason they go four and four? Nothing lasts forever. Nothing. And so maybe this is the beginning of the end. But it's too soon to tell all that. It's been a great Monday. Riley, thanks so much for riding with us. You bet. We'll be back tomorrow. Shout out to Nick Hallisey from UM Sports Information. He's got us our lead segment for tomorrow. Uh, he sent me the, the overview is that the West Coast Conference has done an adjusted winning percentage study of their entire league. And uh, he sent forward some statistics that would apply uh, to the Big Sky Conference. So we'll give you more updates. What would happen if the Big Sky did their tournament seating based on adjusted win percentage? And uh, we'll also have several other It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.